0: It is by faith in Jesus Christ that our lives are saved and made strong. That means we're Christian. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Embry.
1: I'm Janice. And
0: this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3. This is amazing. And Paul talks about some interesting things. We'll talk about that in a minute, about three minutes time. So stay there. Corey and Ryan.
2: I'm going to be taking a look at the life of the Apostle Paul as we can piece it together through Scripture and history. Ryan?
3: Today, I'm going to be taking my cue from Paul, who mentions a very important biblical figure, and that is Sarah.
0: Very good. Look forward to all of that. They're coming up in about 15 minutes. Janice in about 17. Janice? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, we have our Friday wrap-up question of the week. So this week, I'm going to come anywhere from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 through to Galatians 4. Hope you've kept up with your reading. Galatians 3, 1 through 11. O foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 through 11.
0: Galatians chapters 3 and 4. Paul writes to the churches, and it's very, very interesting. You know, we say a lot of things to make ourselves feel good, don't we? One of them is often repeated at phrases like this. You can do anything you want when you put your mind to it. Now, there's nothing wrong with applying ourselves and working hard. Nothing wrong with that. But there is a limit to what human work can accomplish. The truth is we can do nothing eternally. I'm gonna say that again. The truth is we can do nothing eternally good without faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. God tells us over and over again in his word that the just shall live by faith. Now we see the prophet Habakkuk speaking to God about the evil that he sees in his day. And you know, God answers him like this. He says, behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4. The proud will fail and fall. A principle that Paul reiterates to the churches in Galatia. Some of them had gotten wrapped up in teaching that added works to salvation rather than faith in Christ alone. One such teaching was about to follow the aspects of the Mosaic law and needing to be circumcised to be true Christians. What? Paul took serious offense to that, as I would. And the teaching that speaks about people, having to do this and do that and all of this. But Paul says, no, wait a minute. He says, stop. I don't want that to be taught. Let me be clear to you. It's a very interesting, very interesting time to read chapter three of the book of Galatians. Now let's open our Bible guides and turn to it. If you don't have your Bible guide, why not? You need to be on the list to get our new Bible guides. We're very excited about that. Next year's going to be awesome. 2024, amazing Bible guides. I can tell you that that's good news because we're going back into the Bible. We're doing things we haven't done before, all new material, all fresh, and we're very excited about it. Now you simply write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to the place where you can download your copy, just like ours, or get on the mailing list to make sure that you are a part of it. And you need to have. Have you ever read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Think about it. You should at least do that in your life. Uh, and this would be a great time to do that. <laughs> the world is. This would be a good time to know what God's saying, um, because it. I mean, going to the prophets like you're reading from the newspaper in several places. Anyway. So let's take a look at this by faith. Father, help us today as we focus on this and read from Galatians chapter three. Teach us your way and show us your path in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Now he says something interesting. This is how Paul talks to the people in Galatians. The church is there. He says, now watch this in, in verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians. Wow. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as a crucified, as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive that? Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. You see beloved, it is by faith in Jesus Christ that our lives are saved and made strong. There is absolutely nothing we can do to make our lives right with God. Jesus Christ did it all. Let me be clear about this. Nothing. Zilch. Zero. No matter how great we are, how good we look, does it doesn't matter. We cannot do anything to make us right with God. We have to come to Jesus Christ and humble ourselves. And that's the problem that many people have with being a Christian. You don't want to humble yourself with Jesus Christ. He is Lord. Chapter 3, verse 8. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying... In you, all the nations, you, Abraham, all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. The Gentiles were spoken of in the Old Testament as coming to faith in God. That's amazing. The Lord knows everything past, present, and future. We had a song. I want to tell you, it was a great song. Father Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you as we go marching through. Then we added right hand, left hand, right. We did. It was awesome because we understand what Paul said. Do you understand what Paul said? That's the scripture. It's not me. It's the scripture. Very interesting. Well, let's read more. Chapter three, verse 10. Here's the Bible. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law. Look at that. But no one is justified by the law in the sight of god is evident and this is what he says for the just shall live by faith faith in christ is that which saves us not the works of the law we can't do anything as christians we live by faith we don't live by the law. Now, when we come to Jesus Christ, let's remember something. When we come to Jesus Christ, we love him so much because he saved us. We feel it. We sense it. We understand it. And so we go after him and we follow him, his lifestyle. That becomes important. So humbling yourself before Christ means that we follow his lifestyle. And when we do that, things change for us. And Father, I pray today that people would hear this that they would come to Christ. And if you are ready to come to Jesus Christ, pray this prayer and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead because you're God. And I believe you took the cost of my sin. Help me now and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody who's listening to me, Everybody who's a Christian, everybody who became a Christian said together, the word is amen, it means make it so. Hi, Rod Hembry. we go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting, it's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
3: All right, welcome back to the program. Now, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul is addressing some believers who desire to still be under the old covenant, that is, the law. But as Paul says many times throughout his letters, the law imprisons, but the new covenant through Jesus Christ sets us free. And to make this point, he uses the example of Sarah and Hagar. Both bore a son to Abraham, but while Hagar was a bondwoman, Sarah was free. And here, Paul says Hagar symbolizes the bondage of the old covenant Well, Sarah represents the freedom in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. Now, what's so interesting to me about this is that while Paul says that these women and their sons were symbols, they were also very real people in history. And I want to review that history today. And we're going to do it from the perspective of Sarah. So let's go. Her name means princess, quite fitting for the mother to be of the entire Jewish nation. Indeed, Sarah and her husband Abraham were to be Israel's first parents. Though they were originally part of a nation and community that served other gods, Yahweh called them out of that land to bear a new nation, a nation under God Almighty. Certainly, it would be a bona fide miracle, since they were both well-advanced in age and Sarah had not yet conceived. Nevertheless, they listened to God's calling and journeyed to the foreign land of Canaan, now called Israel. Despite the fact that Sarah was in her mid-sixties, the Bible details how beautiful she was. In fact, when Abraham decided to temporarily move them to Egypt during a famine, it was her beauty which concerned him. Perhaps they will see her beauty and kill me and take her for themselves, he thought. Thus he asks Sarah to tell the Egyptians that they are siblings. Although a half-truth, since they shared the same father but not the same mother, it was still a lie because its intent was to hide something. Nevertheless, the plan backfires, and Pharaoh ends up taking Sarah anyway. Now the future mother of Israel was about to become the Egyptian queen. It would only be through divine intervention that no consummation would occur. For the Lord plagued Pharaoh's house, which caused Pharaoh to expel Abraham and Sarah from Egypt. From here, they journeyed back to Canaan, now even richer than before, since Pharaoh had previously given Abraham many servants and cattle as a bride price for Sarah. Among these is an Egyptian servant named Hagar, who is Sarah's personal handmaid. And Sarah would soon turn to Hagar for an infinitely more personal matter. Indeed, after a decade passes since God called them out of Haran, Sarah is still barren. She is now 75 and she knows, naturally, it is now impossible for her to bear Abraham's children. So she gives Hagar to him instead. When Hagar becomes pregnant, It seemed to Sarah at first a success. But when Hagar begins to look upon her mistress with disdain, Sarah demotes her from wife status back to slave status. Nevertheless, from this union came Ishmael. And though it would appear this child was the promised heir, God would return to the elderly couple 14 years later to reveal that Sarah would bear a son in one year. Though both laughed at the thought of it, at the appointed time when Sarah was now 90 and Abraham 100, their promised son, Isaac, was born. He truly was a miracle child, and at the time of his weaning, Abraham held a feast in his honor. However, when Sarah witnesses Ishmael mocking Isaac, she demands that Abraham expel this handmaid and her son. After this, Sarah went on to live until she was 127, and it would be Abraham who would bury her in the cave of Machpelah. Reading the account of Sarah giving Hagar to Abraham and Abraham agreeing to it can be kind of upsetting to modern readers, particularly those in the West. But back then, this was a standard practice. As a matter of fact, Sarah's offer to Abraham was keeping with the laws of that day, which stated that if a wife proved to be barren, she was obligated to provide her husband a handmaid through whom he could have children so that his seed does not die out. So what Sarah proposed was in keeping with the laws of that day. But for Sarah, it really was a lapse of faith. Although God had not specifically said that she was going to be the mother, it should have been an assumed fact since she was Abraham's only wife. It would be this lapse in faith that would create problems later since there was division between Ishmael and Isaac. But Isaac, of course, was the son God had promised Abraham and Sarah originally. And it was through this son that the future Messiah would come to be a blessing to all the nations. And now all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are considered sons and daughters of Abraham, not of Hagar, but of Sarah. Thus, we are free. Praise God for that.
0: Yeah, and we're going to talk about that when we get to the book of Hebrews in just a few weeks. It's going to be very, very interesting. And uh, this is, you go back to Abraham, this is absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. Because you have the answer Hagar and Abraham—that's the human answer—and then you've got the spiritual answer, which was impossible, and that was Abraham and Sarah. I mean, this is absolutely stunning, and uh, and God did it. So it's—I mean, it's he amazing. He sure did. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Corey.
2: All right, we are focusing in on the Apostle Paul today, who's been writing a lot of these letters that we have been reading through Galatians is no exception. Uh, let's take a look at his early life in particular. The Book of Acts records that Paul the Apostle was born in the city of Tarsus in the Roman province of Cilicia. Tarsus was a large multicultural city and in the first century during Paul's life, it was the third largest center of Greek culture and education in the Roman Empire. It boasted a major university and several schools of rhetoric and Stoic philosophy. The basic outline of Paul's life gleaned from the New Testament tells us that Paul was born in Tarsus. Paul learned the trade of leatherworking or tent making. He moved to Jerusalem to train for his rabbinate under the esteemed Pharisee Gamaliel. And he was a young man when he oversaw Stephen's murder, began persecuting Christians, and subsequently met Jesus on his way to Damascus. The Greek word used for young man most often indicated a man between the ages of 18 to 22. So at Paul's conversion, he was most likely 18 to 22 years old. Working from our knowledge of Greek and Jewish cultures along with the New Testament, we can piece together some information about Paul's early life. Born in Tarsus, Paul would have been exposed to much Greek thought. He may have even spent a year or two studying rhetoric at one of Tarsus' schools. What is certain, however, is that Paul probably came from a well off family. He inherited Roman citizenship from one or both of his parents, he continued his education, and throughout his ministry, he's seen moving easily in political and high social circles. As a Jewish young man, Paul likely would have received his elementary education at his local synagogue from ages 5 to 12. Following this, Paul would have received his training in tent making, likely from his father or a close relative, even if Paul planned. on becoming a rabbi from an early age, he still would have needed a profession from which to support himself. After a few years apprenticing under a tent maker, Paul moved to Jerusalem to continue his education under Gamaliel. A mention of Paul's sister living in Jerusalem may indicate that Paul's family moved with him, or that he had close family ties in both cities. Whether Paul completed his education before his conversion is debated, but if he did not, he would have at least been close, being given the honor to oppose this new sect of Christians. So there we go. As much as we can piece together from what Paul himself tells us, you know, in his, in his letters. And I mean, obviously the people who he is speaking to would have known a lot more about Paul because they had access to Paul. He went and he visited these places and these, the different cities where the, where, um, you know, churches had been established. And and they had that benefit of being able obviously to speak to Paul face to face where you and I, we are now piecing together what we can from what he He's written, But I think we can still piece together quite a bit and it makes for an interesting study.
0: What's interesting is to uh, understand that in the book of Acts, we went through all of those things, all of the places, you know, his first, second, third missionary journeys, and uh, that we came to the end and we saw him in Rome yep. when he was saying what he said. And then now we go back to the specific books and that becomes yes, very yes, interesting. Yes, his letters. And uh, we people forget that. But we need to remember that Paul the Apostle was a dramatically different person. I don't think anybody could tell you how dramatically different from Saul, from Tarsus, to Paul the Apostle. He mm-hmm. was dramatic uh, because God confronted him. And when God confronts you, you have no choice but to respond. He said, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. So, well, then Paul becomes the persecuted one. So that's really, really interesting. 13 books of the Bible are written by him. So it's yeah. fascinating.
1: It's interesting though, right? He it, it, he had this mission that he thought he was on to defend God yeah. as Saul. Yeah. yeah. And that drove him. And you could see the, the anger that, that was in him that mm-hmm. drove him. And then when he was confronted, it was like that, stre- what he thought was his strength was just stopped mm-hmm. by that confrontation mm-hmm. of the Lord Jesus. And then it became his purpose, in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. and it just dramatically changed him. And yet you
2: still see that drive yes. that yeah. he had, where um, I wish I could remember where it was, but I read a study once putting together how many hours and how many days and how many miles mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. would have walked mm-hmm. or traveled, and it's nuts, yeah. Yeah. it's wild, it, is. it yeah. is a lot. And, and yeah. you,
0: you see it when you, you read Second Timothy, and you, you understand he these are his last words, mm-hmm. and you understand this. And he he sort of he writes to a person, yeah, Second Timothy. Well, and that's it, what
1: he says. And his emotions come out of a passion for Christ. Mm-hmm. Now it's, yeah. it's a different it's a different it's it's the same reaction, but a different coming from a different place mm-hmm. in his heart. Right, mm-hmm. is coming this this same passion is coming from. Knowing who he is. Yes. In God, involved knowing who is. Mm-hmm. In
0: all of those things he was involved in, you know, after Woo. after all that. And then he, he speaks about and just remember to do this, Timothy. Bring my parchments. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Bring my Bible.
2: That is incredible. Well, and then also, I, I mean it's really it's convenient and it's easy for us just to talk about the Apostle Paul, but he was also about his fellow Christians and his fellow workers. And he mentions so many people in his letters, even to the point that some of his letters are co-authored, which is just easier easier for us to talk about, you know, it was Paul who authored this, but he himself says some of the books of the Bible, that, letters that have become books of the Bible were co-authored, right? He was about building the church as well, building the kingdom of God rather than his own kingdom. In fact, when people try to turn it, uh, people tried in his day to be like, oh, I follow Paul. He instantly is like, what are you doing? I, it's not, right? He, yeah. he does that every time. It's not about me. Well, that's what he it's said in Galatians. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yes. And he said, you yeah, know, because people will follow Paulus, people will follow us. He said, no. And then he says, you could hear him pontificating. He says, well, I, I didn't baptize anybody. Well, maybe I baptized in one person. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm glad
2: was, I, didn't I didn't do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's but it's the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in Paul mm-hmm. who is communicating the word of God through him and the Holy Spirit allows us to see him. Uh, that That is so stunning. God's Holy Spirit is amazing. We could talk about it all day, but we only have a minute, 30 seconds left. So We can do it. Go ahead. We
1: can do it. All right. Here comes the question. I'm going to put Ryan and Corey on the spot. You at home, you can answer as well. All right. When Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, he mentioned that he had gone back to Damascus. Then after three years, Paul went up to see someone in Jerusalem and stayed there with him for 15 days. Who was it? that Paul went to see. Who was it that Paul stayed with for 15 days? Was that Peter? Was that
2: James? Or was that John? Who was it?
1: A
0: what really important
2: question. <laughs> These are all good questions, yeah. like and all good answers mm-hmm. yeah. because yes. we know that they coincided in Jerusalem yes. for a while. We know that James became a leader in the church of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. but I believe the answer is Peter.
3: Yes, I agree. Good, agree. Answer. Cephas. Right. Well, good answer, good Well,
2: we'll see if it is. You never know. You never know. All right. And somebody's
1: phoning a friend right about now. If you've heard that going on. Wish I could phone a
2: friend, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty
1: sure. All right. In the last 27 seconds, Galatians 1 verse 18 says this. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter remained with him 15 days. So if you guessed the answer, Peter, like Ryan and Corey did, well done. And if not, that's okay. There's next Friday a coming and a new question for you to answer.
0: Make sure you get on the mailing list to receive our new Bible guide for next year. I want to encourage you that uh, that, the Bible guide is going to be great. It's awesome. So uh, we've already started writing it. I can't tell you too much. Next month, I'll tell you more about it. But it's really good. All new material. So make sure you call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Now, let's pray today. Lord, help me to modify my life to have faith in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.